Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan on the 22nd, and we're talking about Garen's first message on the Trinity, which he started yesterday. But uh, before we get into the unknowability of the Trinity, we have to talk about one thing, which we all knew. The knowability. The of, knowability of the Chiefs winning close games. Yeah, with Mahomes as quarterback. Yeah. Yes. So, Garen, you're not surprised, but you're a little disappointed that Buffalo didn't. Well, didn't. didn't knock yeah, them that out. They, they didn't have a, other than their front line of defense, they didn't have a single starter in the back part of the defense. I would have liked to see a better game. But I will say one thing. Uh, if the Broncos had played them. <laughs> oh, oh, Broncos would have got him for sure. Oh, we got him for sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Russell Wilson would have been flinging the ball over the field. And I mean, the one Bronco who was on the field, Von Miller, uh, I think he was in one play. No, he was in for two. But he almost he almost got he almost ran down uh Mahomes. So I was rooting for the Broncos Man. during that game. So, so that was your little Bronco. That was my little one little Bronco thing, like yeah. a little flashback to what, 30 years ago when I think they won the Super Bowl, or I don't know. It's been a while. Man, pretty close. Yeah, those Chiefs, man, they always get it done. Now they get to go to Baltimore, and that that's a team that's healthy and firing all cylinders. We'll see. I don't know. It's But you can't. Here's what I'm I never think. betting against Mahomes. Exactly. That's exactly I am never right, betting Garen. against Mahomes. You never bet against Mahomes. They win the close games. They yeah. love the cold weather. Yeah. So they're tough. Yeah, that guy is. And, you know, you got to give kudos to Pacheco. That guy runs tough. So at least one more week of chief gear being worn on a Sunday morning by yeah, one, roughly 30% of our yeah, congregation. Right. One more week of... So if of they that. lose, maybe they'll cut it out. But yeah, And then if they win that, it's two weeks of the Super Bowl, Garen. They're going to ramp it up. Yeah. So you better just get ready. I have a feeling Nehemiah were here. If he saw that chief stuff, he, he would have been like... <laughs> be pulling, pulling some hair, beards. Pulling beards and like beating, <laughs> beating some people around for sacrilege. For sacri- bringing sacrilege into the temple or something. I don't but know. But if people were in Bronco stuff, he would probably... Um, honor them. Oh, yeah. Give them high honor. Yeah, right. <clears throat> yeah. Because Russell Wilson's a Christian. So it's- That's Christ- right. It's a Christian team, yeah, he basically. follows Jesus, so. So many people have probably either skipped ahead through this conversation or have turned it off at this point. <laughs> already, we've already lost. Because they're like, I tuned in for Trinity, but I'm getting Garen and Jordan's lame football opinion. So we'll get into the real stuff here. Garen, we started talking about the Trinity. And um, let me just start with this. You know, you even yourself, you said- this is the thing that you hope no one asks you about. Yeah. This is the thing that we hold at arm's length, you know, that being the, the topic of the Trinity and just thinking about it. And then you read, well, go ahead and read that Kant quote real quick. Immanuel Kant says this. Yeah, one of the greatest philosophers in Western history, the doctrine of the Trinity provides nothing, absolutely nothing of practical value, even if one claims to understand it. And then Loop, another philosopher said, what about yeah, the Trinity? And he's actually, uh, his book, he's a Christian. He follows Jesus and he just says, for most people, and sadly for most Christians also, the Trinity is the great unknown. Even if the Trinity could be understood, of what practical value, even what religious value would it have for ordinary people? And he's setting up a discussion of the Trinity, but that that's how most people feel. So here's the thing, Garen. You know, 
the the opinion seems to be of the of people way smarter than us is that the Trinity is unknowable. Yeah. And it's kind of a waste of time. Kind of a waste of time. Like, and even if we could understand the Trinity, of what evangelistic use would it be? Yeah. So, Garen, why? Or even value in my Christian life. Like, even, what's that have to do with anything in yeah, my life? How is it going to even help you yeah. in your Christian walk? Yeah. So, the question is this. Why are you leading us through, what, f- five weeks? Yeah, we're going to do five weeks on five this. Five weeks of the Trinity, if this is what the smartest people in Christian thinking have to say about it. Yeah, because what I've come to learn is, as I had to delve into it, is that kind of how I ended yesterday, I actually came to see that it was at the heart of everything. It's at the basis of the universe. The fa- It affects how we view the world, the universe. It affects how I view my walk with God. It affects how we live as a body. There is actually, that's what I want to do the next few weeks is bring out the implications of it. In fact, Lucy UC grabbed me yesterday. There's a really great book. Um, and right now it's it's not going to, Don's listening and Don is quoting it. It's <laughs> it's a book I really want to read. And she said, and it's it's kind of a big worldview book right now on how to look at culture. And she says, he starts with the Trinity and he says, the Trinity is the basis of understanding everything. Mm. And so I've, I've been wanting to get that book and I'm probably going to grab it just to read that first chapter. But that idea that it really is at the root underneath everything we about the universe, everything we believe about him, but everything's related to our faith. And then it's actually more practical than we ever think. And that's what I want to make the case for the next few weeks. Something else you said that kind of stuck with me yesterday morning was that, you know, the way that that Christians just assume the Trinity is true without really trying to understand it, it just confirms to the watching world that Christians are non-thinkers. Yes. Mm -hmm. Which really kind of stung a little bit because I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah. And we live in a very cerebral society, you know, where people are looking for things to make sense, to add up, to be logical. And so for such a foundational part of our faith to be so illogical, uh, I think just, yeah, proves and says, hey, you guys, you know, mm-hmm. oh, a guy was raised from the dead. A virgin uh-huh. gave birth. Like uh-huh. the Trinity is real. Yeah. Three just, and one, it just uh-huh. proves you guys don't really yeah. think critically about anything. Yes. And so... I think there's real value from an evangelistic standpoint to be able to, when somebody has a question or, or make a prod, say, here's a few things to think about, or at least yes. have a direction to go more than just, well, I don't get it either. Yeah. Because that, that's not a good look, right? Right. Yes. Yeah. Because if you just say, yep, I don't get it either, but I just believe it because it's what I've been told or what people say. And they're or, like, okay, you're, that, you're in a cult. Yeah. You're that, not right. thinking for yourself. Yeah. So why should I believe what the Bible says either yeah. if, if you can't explain this? Yeah. So... so. And so it doesn't mean I can fully explain. That's what I talked about. So part of when I talk is I'm like, look, we have to expect some mystery. But if I can't give a reasonable attempt at it yeah. and try to give a sense that people leave going like, okay, mm-hmm. I can kind of get that. Yeah. Then yeah, people think you're just brainless. Yeah. And, and and so the goal of this, these five weeks is not so that we can understand it perfectly and explain it perfectly. Because I don't think that's been done yet in human history. No, But you won't. said the goal is that we would have a deeper understanding and therefore a deeper love of God. Yeah. And so if we can take a few steps forward in that, um, then we've done our job over these next five weeks. Yeah. And and again, I know, because I, I know people, if you ever get asked this, it's going to be hard to remember all of what I did yesterday. And so right. I actually am glad that these things are on YouTube now because that's something you can say, hey, why don't you watch this? Let's talk about it. And you don't have to remember all that or be able to do that. But um, I think we have to be able to talk intelligently about it because a lot of people do want to know. And even it wasn't just internationals. Now I'm dealing a lot more with Americans and I still get asked this question by people. It's yeah. something a lot of people 
want to know because they think it's this whacked thing. Like, where did that come from? And it doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. And you've had, you said yesterday, hundreds of conversations about this with students in your years in international ministry. So you're the guy to do this because you've read about it. You've thought about it. You've, you've walked through it with lots and lots of people. So we're glad that you're the one who gets to take us through it. Um, so let's kind of jump in. Okay. Let's kind of jump in. I think your starting point scripturally was the, you, you broke out a, 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 um, a big Bible word, a big theology word for us yesterday, immutability. Inscrutability. Oh, yeah. The inscrutability. What's, what's immutability? Immutability is that God doesn't change. Well, that's also true. That's also true. It was true. not the point of yeah. your talk. The inscrutability of God. And so you took us to Ecclesiastes and Isaiah and Romans, basically all these verses that talk about the fact that God is unknowable. Yeah. And so that's kind of our starting point. And I think what you were trying to get us to feel, what I felt, is that it's okay not to know God. Yeah. There's, it's okay for there to be mystery about him. It's okay for there to be things that I don't understand. Because if he is the creator of the universe who's always existed, that's going to be true. And if I can comprehend him, then he's no, no God at all. Right. right? So I should, I, I should start with like, okay, I get this, that there are things I don't totally fully comprehend because of the nature of who he is. Yeah, let's lean into the fact that we can't fully understand God. Because imagine worshiping someone that you can fully understand, right? Yeah. Like, Garen, you are an, are an even plane, real human beings, right? We're both equally flawed. Yeah. And so, like, for me to worship you or the other way around makes no sense. Yeah. Because we're on the same plane. Yeah, right. If I'm going to worship something, shouldn't it be something way above me that I yeah. can't understand that is greater than me? Yes. So, in my mind, like, it's not a negative that I can't understand God. It is right. frustrating. And I hope that one day, you know, we can see fully and I can fully know him maybe. But like for now, holy cow, if I could fully understand God, he wouldn't be worth my time. Yeah. Right. So it's not, and it's right. So it's not a negative. And that's why I'm always happy to start. There's like, you know, can we not? And I don't think I ever had a single person like, no, I get that. If there is a God and he's as big as the Bible says, then right. yeah, there are going to be things about him I don't get. So let's say somebody in the cubicle next to you starts this conversation about the Trinity or whatever, have a question, says how, how weird it is. Maybe that's a good starting point. I think it is a starting point. First yeah. of all, if you're going to worship something, don't you want it to be yeah. a little, yeah. a little uh, more impressive yeah. than you? At least right? a little more complex than you and yeah. things about him that you just don't totally get. Yeah, like, I thought that was a brilliant starting point by you. And I think that's really useful for us too. And then you jump further into scripture. You talk about Deuteronomy 6, 4, right? Um, yeah. The beginning of the Shema where, where God names himself as one. Yeah. But this word one is very significant. Yeah, extremely. I, I, I had heard the word ehad before. Um, I did not hear the other word yahid, which we're, let's just jump into it. So ehad means one from many. Uh-huh. And so we see that like in Genesis 2.24, when a man and a woman shall be united, they shall be one. That's They shall be ehad, which is one, but it's really two making yeah. up uh-huh. one. And then you said there's this other Hebrew word, which is like a solitary one, like yeah, yahid. Like I'm holding one pen; uh-huh. it's just one, one thing. Yep, and that's the Hebrew word yahid. Yeah, yeah, one, one alone, solitary. Yeah. Um, and so, I think your point was that God could have used either word. Yes, and it's very intentional that He called Himself an ehad. Yes, and not a yahid. Yeah. And it's this first little clue, like, whoa. Yeah, it's a little clue. There's yep. more to this Yahweh character yeah, yeah. than meets the eye. Yeah. Yeah, when he says that one, then that's that, that's that huge question is, what is the nature of that oneness? So would you say this is the first example of like a biblical precedent for the Trinity? 
No, I would say, I mean, because I even mentioned Genesis 1, 26 and 27. There's hints of it even before that. Oh, okay. But when he specifically reveals himself that way and he says, this is who I am. Uh-huh. I'm Yahweh. I'm the great I am and I am one. And then the word is that God, it's a, plur- it's a oneness of plurality that there's so much significance. In so we that. talked about maybe where to start with the person in the cubicle next to us who doesn't know Jesus and they've got questions. We, we talked about that. So now maybe, you know, maybe with another believer and they're like, what is the point of the Trinity? It's so whacked, man. Like it's not even in the Bible. Maybe this is a good starting point. Yeah. Like Deuteronomy 6, 4, God calls himself one from, from many. Yeah. So whether you want to get into the Trinity specifically or not, we can both agree that there's more to God than just yeah, than just one a solitary one. Yep. Yeah. And so we got to so we think we got to wrestle with that. Okay. Well, then that has that's where the question comes. Well, then how many are in the one? Right. And yeah. so that starts leading us into other things. Because God is a like you said God is one, but He is not a simple one. Yeah. He is not a uh, solitary he's a complex one. Because we've got Deuteronomy six four, in which He says, "I am one God." Okay one God, then yeah, Genesis 1, 26, 27, which you just referenced, you know, God is talking about making humankind. He says, let's make them in our image uh-huh. and our likeness. And the verbiage is very clear there Yeah, that it is a, it's, it's multiple. It's not just one. And so we see that God is both one and he is also more than yeah, one. Yeah. Cause there's singular verbs in there too. The create verb is singular. It has the pronoun our twice. It has the pronoun he once, but that's singular. And it's like, it's all messed up. And it's like, this is very bad grammar. Like if Moses wrote that, which we think he did, then if God revealed it to him, then that dude needed to go back to, <laughs> to, to, to his elementary. Are you telling well, me Moses did not get his GED before leading the Israelites in the desert? Yeah, Aaron? Was right. he undereducated with his verbiage? Or there's something going on inside of that. And that's why most people, and it's really clear in there that 126 to 28, that that is, because it's talking about being created in the image of God, that that use of Elohim is is the creator God. It's not, um, that's not the council, that, that's a whole nother topic that that um, sometimes that can refer to the, the heavenly council, that that is the God, creator God and we're creating his image. And it's using this mix of plural singular verbs, plural singular pronouns. And it's like, there's something in that. Hmm. And um, even a lot of Jewish ancient rabbis noticed that, that there were some unique things about those, the use of that, that was unexplainable. So you mentioned that one rabbi yesterday who tried to, either he he left that word yahid out in in Deuteronomy 6.4 or something. He basically tried to explain it away. Is there any like notable or reliable scholarship that looks at that and says, you know what? Just like we said, Moses was an uneducated guy. He probably got the verbs wrong. Like, is there anything to that? Or is oh, it so uh-uh. clearly no, intentional? Never, never anything I've read. Nobody ever said that. It's just, yeah, what he did is when he kind of rewrote the 13 foundational beliefs of of, Is- of Islam, of Judaism, and he wrote, God is one, he put the word Yahid in, which is the singular, which is how Jewish people understand it. Mm-hmm. And But he actually went, went against what Deuteronomy, how God revealed himself. And it's because... Mm that idea doesn't make sense. And so mm-hmm. he used the idea of how they see it, which is how Islam and Judaism both see God as a singularity one. Mm. They don't see him, they don't see plurality in him or manyness in him. So so Jewish rabbis that are not willing to change the wording of the Torah, how do they get around that ihad? I mean, what's their thought there? Yeah, I know? no, I don't know. Like the whole thing with the angel of the Lord is the same thing. Them wrestling with like, this is a divine figure but it's not possible. And so therefore 
it can't be, but we don't know what to do with it. Mm. I, so that's that's the amount of understanding I have of that. So interesting. Um, okay, you moved on to how many are in this community? If God is a community and within and of Himself, how many are in it? You took us to Matthew twenty-eight, where He names Himself as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We see all those. So one essence, three persons. Yes, is what the is kind of how theologians have described it over the years. Yeah. So can you talk to us? Because I think we've all heard that in church, but I don't know if you're like me, maybe you're like, okay, I've heard that, but what in the world? So can you explain for a second, one essence, three persons, what the difference is yeah. between those things? I mean, are? so maybe if I do the, and so we're going to actually hit that in two weeks. I'm going to get more into that idea, but that, you know, the father is, he is God, he is divine and the son is divine and the spirit's divine, but they're not totally just equal. And it's not just one, three names for one person. Mm-hmm. That's even though they're all God and God is one, but the father is not the other two and the son's not the other two and the spirit, they're distinct. So the essence of them, like water, water is H2O at its chemical essence, but it can appear in three different states. And even as I said yesterday, at the same time at the right temperature, it's a God is one. So in the essence Divinity is there, Godness is there, um, but it's in three different. Yeah, it. How do you again? How do you talk about this? Hmm. It's it. Even as you talk about it, you're like, this is so. So, what is the difference between an essence and a person? I guess is my question. Well, so an essence would be like you're human uh-huh. and I'm human uh-huh. and Lisa's human, but uh-huh. you, we're all individual. But we're not one. We're three different, distinct. So that's uh-huh. how that's a little bit different. But the, we have this essence of humanity in us. We're all human. Okay. And so we have the same essence, but we're distinct persons. Mm. But the thing about them is the essence they all possess is divinity, is God, mm. is being God. But there's only one. And so there's these. So they have personhood inside of that essence. And again, there's the mystery. Mm-hmm. And that's where you're like, I'm talking, and that's coming out of my mouth, and you're, and it it always messes with your brain, mm-hmm. right? And then, but that's when I have to go back. But again, I've seen it in water. And so, okay, there's paradoxes in science, so I can handle it. Yeah. It, it could make sense if he's another dimension, but it still is, you know, you, I kind of get it, but there's ways you're like, you don't. Sure. Yeah, you, that's the next place I wanted to go is you took us to two places in nature where we kind of see the same, you know, ihad thought yeah. happening. And one you said was with water, which I'd never heard of this. Yeah. So interesting. So one essence, three states. You talked about the triple point of water. Yeah. So if you want to know more, Google triple point water. But essentially, it's it's a temperature. It's a, at a particular temperature, all three states. Yeah, because the problem I always had with the water, I'd be like, okay, I kind of, like somebody came yesterday and said, oh, the egg. And I've heard that one too. But the egg, it's, they're three totally distinct parts. I know you call it an egg. I mean, I totally get it, but water was the same thing. It's like, yeah, but those three can't exist at the same time. So let's talk about what it actually is for people who didn't hear the message. So the triple point of water is a is a degree, uh-huh. a temperature and at which water can exist in its in all three of its states simultaneously. Yeah. That, and that's what that is. So, yeah. so it kind of reflects God's it reflects that. Because the one of the examples you always heard of the Trinity is well, water, it's H2O, that's the essence. Uh-huh. But it has three states. But the attack has always been against it. And even I, early on, I'm like, that doesn't make sense because ice, like right now, there's ice outside. And it's either ice or it's vapor. Yeah, my, or boss, my boss still had, made me get to liquid. work today. I know, can you believe that? He said, kick rocks, Jordan. <laughs> Sorry, the gospel doesn't stop for anybody. <laughs> but it's like, they exist independently. Like that doesn't, that's not the same. It's not saying like, okay, well, God, oh, he's father now independently. Oh, now he's spirit and the other two don't exist. Yes. So I never bought that until 
Carissa said, Dad, actually, there's a point, a temperature point where all three can exist at the same time. And that blew me away. Huh. And I'm like, okay, now I, yeah. now that one is a good analogy for me because so, it's one essence, three states that are totally independent, yeah. but all existing at the same time. The other one you talk about is one that I've heard more. It's that light can exist. Now I'm just repeating what I've heard because I clearly am not smart enough to actually understand this, but that light can exist both as a particle, which I think we call a photon. And at the same time, it also exists as a wave. Yeah which to me is really mind-blowing. Right. And I really love uh, thinking about that. And the, the, the cool part about the wave and the triple point of water is that what does Romans 1 say? That God has shown us his qualities in nature, right? Is it possible that this is just like some small, tiny little hint that God has put in nature to be like, you know what? This is just such a tiny yeah. fractional part of, you know, dimly lit of who I am. But just to get your mind racing a little bit, here's this little thing I'm going to put in nature that really blows your mind and you can't understand it. And yeah. it's kind of this yes. really faint echo of my yeah. own essence. Yeah. And yeah. And, and the, just that there's so many, we didn't even get in, I could get into quantum physics. There are so many paradoxes that nobody understands that to us are total opposites, you know, on that linear simplistic thinking, it's not possible for them to exist at the same time, but they do. And yeah, I feel like so much of that is built into it. That's why I use the Einstein quote because Einstein, his mm. brilliance was, is he's like, I'm not just looking for the knowledge and the data. He says, you have to have imagination when you think about the universe. It's mm. more than just knowledge. It's imagination. That's why he could see into some things mm. um, that other people couldn't ahead of time because he had that imagination. Um, so yeah, but that the universe reveals or just gives us hints of like, okay, Maybe this could be. Maybe mm -hmm. this is reality. And that's all that matters, I think. That's why I found with people. So if I could just get somebody like, okay, maybe I could see it, then you've given them something to think about. And it's not the objection that people tend to make it. And they're like, okay, maybe that's not as dumb as I thought it was. Maybe you do have brains. <laughs> and that's what I'd find is people like, okay, there's, wow, you're, you know, interaction. You're actually thinking intellectually about this and uh -huh. using other things. And, and so they would see that faith and reason can actually be compatible together. So, which is really the bigger picture. I think, you know, at the beginning, when you said that the watching world watches the way that we handle the idea of the Trinity and it makes them think of us as non-thinkers more than like a blow to my ego. I think, okay, well, faith has just been ruined for them because that's what it is to them. It's, it's just blind faith. Yeah. And so it's so important, not so much to like defend ourselves to people, but to defend the idea of faith to them and what it means to follow Jesus and that it's not this blind faith, but it's actually very common sense yeah. and very in line with what the laws of the universe are. Um, so anyways, I, yeah, it's bigger than just you and somebody having a conversation. It could be the window into somebody being open to faith yes, right. for the first time maybe. Yeah. So no pressure in those conversations. Yeah, no pressure. Just, it's just people's eternities. So don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, and this is the point where you brought out the whiteboard and you, um, depending on what service you went to, got the names of some shapes correct or incorrect. <laughs> Numbers corrector. My it's math was correct. It's a lot incorrect. of pressure being on stage, you know, so we don't, we don't fall short, Karen. But essentially what you're trying to do was talk about the fact that we are, you called us flatlanders. Yeah. Which I thought there was going to be a Kansas joke in there somewhere. And it, there should have been. I should have. Yeah. I really was waiting for it. I should have done that. Yeah. That's okay. Um, you were talking about the dimensions, right? And how essentially 
it's not, this isn't literal, but it's a good way to think about it. Think about God being a 3D image and trying to explain himself to us, which is like a one-dimensional yeah. or a two-dimensional, two-dimensional yeah. image, right? And so just how would you, how would we possibly perceive a 3D image if we were 2D? Yeah. And so you talked about the different ways. We won't go through it, but just really good stuff. Go back and watch the video on how that can happen and in the ways that God explains that. And that was really helpful for me. That was maybe the highlight for me because I had never thought about it that way. And I thought that was really useful. And I think once again, like you said, that's going to be a really useful video for people to who have a friend who's curious, say, watch four minutes with me. Yeah. Just watch this yeah. guy right. talk about this and see if it doesn't help you. Yeah. Um, so well done on that. Did that yeah. pretty much go how you thought it would? Yeah. I thought it was perfect. And, and that that is that C.S. Lewis is the one who kind of initiated that thought with me. And um, what I love about it is it so visually shows how hard, if not impossible, it is for a being of a higher dimension to communicate itself to a lower because it doesn't matter how much God the cube tries to explain to the Flatlander, the Flatlander can only see two dimensionally. Yeah. And still is like, I just don't get it. You're saying that, but it doesn't appear that way. Yeah. And so I th- that's why, you know, kudos to C.S. Lewis. I, he's the one that I think first used that idea related to God, and it's really helpful. So, so you at the end kind of brought it down to this so what for us, which I really like when you do that. And you uh you said, yeah, like that book that that I think. Lucy, you see, was telling you about, you said the, the Trinity is the foundation of the universe, essentially. Yeah. It's the foundation of everything that's everything. been created, which is a big statement. Yes. Are you going to like <laughs> explain a really, that a little bit yeah. as we go? Because well, you kind of dropped that bomb on us and said, all right, you're sent. Yeah, get <laughs> out of so here. You know, just so you know, the Trinity is the basis of the universe. Yeah. All right, we'll just, see you next week. Just believe me. Just have faith. And <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ask any questions, guys. Just trust me. It. Just trust me. Man, you you dropped that bomb at the end, and I was like, "Well, I got to come back next week now because that's really huge." So you said that, um, and then you you took us back, of course, to Lewis and Lion Witch in the Wardrobe, talking about Aslan, and that quote in there about how he is a good lion, but he's not a yeah, tame he's lion. He's not a tame lion. Yeah. And of course, Lewis is alluding to our idea of God there. Yeah. That he is good, but he is not tame, and he's not able to fit inside our box. Yeah. But how often do we do that? How often all, do we think of God time. as like this? little guy that can fit in this box. Yeah. And just in let my him experience out. or he fits in my knowledge or he fits in my expectations, like all the ways we tried to cage him and box him up. And he's like, I cannot be caged and I cannot be boxed in. I'm much larger than you are. And, and we're I'm, glad I'm mysterious. He, we're glad he is. Yeah. Because he wouldn't be worth Ultimately, my time. Yeah. He wouldn't be worth my time. And as you said, he wouldn't be worth my worship. Yeah. Um, I'm going through uh, knowledge of the holy with some friends right now. And everything that Tozer says in these first couple of chapters, I was just thinking about when you were talking about the unknowability of God, the inscrutability of God, right? And so just a few things that Tozer says. Tozer says, the words, be still and know that I am God, mean nothing to the self-confident, bustling worshiper in this middle period of the 20th century. He wrote that in 1961 and nothing has changed, Yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, if God really is this complex, he is so worthy of me just sitting in silence before him and just thinking about him. Yeah. I think everything in our lives is like about speed and convenience. And if I can't do it quickly, then is it really worth doing? And you're not going to understand God quickly. Yeah. You're not going to understand him ever, but you get a little closer when you sit with it. Yeah. And Tozer says, even back in 1961, people have lost that. Yeah. And how much more have we lost it here in, Oh man, you know, 80 years later. Um, 
Yeah, he, he also says a little bit later, he says, God being infinite must possess attributes about which we know nothing. I mean, think about that. If God is truly, like you said, truly infinite, then it just makes total sense Yeah, that we can't yeah. understand everything about him. And then this last one was really like encouraging to me because Tozer says, when asked in reverence and their, their answers sought in humility, these are questions that cannot be but pleasing to our Father, which art in heaven. Mm-hmm. So what he's saying there is, when we stop and really ponder and think about the nature of God, yeah. it's really pleasing to him that we would do that. And I never thought about that before, yeah. but you know, God doesn't, doesn't want us to read the little bit we know about him, think about it for 20 seconds, get frustrated and walk away. He's, he's honored when we sit with it and really ponder what that means. And even if we walk away with no understanding that we're willing to, to sit with him in that and try and understand him, like that's worship to him. Yeah. And I've never thought about yeah. that. That's why that, I love that proverb that says it's, it's to the glory of the king, like to, to hide something, but it's the glory of the servant to find it. Mm-hmm. And the idea I get in that is like, there's things God has built into the universe that they just take some thinking and work to figure out, but he put it there. It's his joy to have it there and it's our joy to find it. I think there's, I mean, kind of same thing. So so as we go through these five weeks, let's not run to the finish line and try and just see this as an A to B journey. Right. Of like, my goal is to really understand this. So Garen, the quicker you can get me there, the better. Let's like be slow and take our time. And even in the time between Sundays, just think about this stuff because we know that when we do that, it brings God glory. And uh, it's, it's a really pleasing worship to him to just sit with a hot cup of tea and look out the window at the snow that's been there for two weeks and will not go away. And to just think on these things, because um, I think that's what we're made to do yeah. at some level. Yeah. So you said that the goal of this whole thing is that we would find God more beautiful and that we would know more about him. And I know you're going to take us there, but uh, I think I say it as much to my heart as to anyone else, but let's, just, let's not be in a hurry to get there. Let's yeah. sit with him and uh, ponder him. Yeah. Because I don't want to spoil anything for us here, Garen, but at the end of five weeks, we're probably not going to understand the Trinity perfectly. No, not at all. And I, and <laughs> there's not a money there, back guarantee. Yeah. And there's going to be <laughs> implications of it that I'm not even going to get to because I keep learning new things. And, uh, but yeah, I want to hit oh, to me the, the key things that over the years that I've thought that have struck me about the Trinity and how it affects my, the universe and my life and our life as believers and our body and how do we function? Yeah. So, so wait, Garen, are you saying that there are things, uh, things about God that even Garen Forsyth does not know? <laughs> yeah. Thankfully, right? Holy moly. Thankfully. All right. You heard it here first, folks. Guys, we're excited for this five-week journey. Uh, let's spend some time this week thinking on things that Garen brought to us because um, it's pleasing to God when we do so. So uh, we'll see you next week for week two of the Trinity.